week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Eve Viso joins us to talk to us all about his Kubernetes journey as well as his GitHub repo. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Bonjour, c'est Yves Weisser de NetApp en France. Bienvenue sur le Tech on Tap podcast. Wow, 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 wow. What do you think you're doing, Yves? Yeah, I'm just taking the, the seat today. <laughs> this is not a French podcast, though we do have one. We'll, have, we'll cover that here in a second. Um, so yeah, this is the Tech on Tap podcast. Uh, my name is Justin Parisi, and with me today, we of course, we have Yves Weisser. Uh, he is here to talk to us all about what he does here at NetApp, as well as his GitHub repo. So Yves, um, in English, en anglais... <laughs> Uh, tell us what you do here at NetApp and how to reach uh, us. I will try to use my best English today. <laughs> so yeah, um, I've been part of NetApp for about 15 years. So I guess I'm part of the world now, right? I am currently a solution architect and I focus mainly on Kubernetes. I've been working on Kubernetes for, I don't know, pretty soon, uh, five years. So I like it a lot. Good. Uh, we'll talk more about that here in a second. So how do we reach you if we want to reach you? Oh, there are many ways to do so. Obviously, the, the easiest one would, would be to use either my GitHub account. And, uh, well, I will, I will try to uh, say it out loud. It's EVOS on the hub, or in one word, Y-V-O-S on the hub. <laughs> That's the easiest one. Uh, other one. Otherwise, you have LinkedIn, obviously. You have email. You have Twitter. Uh, Eve as Y V E S. I know it's not the easiest one. Uh, Weiser as W E I W S E R. Cool. So we'll put that in the show notes so that people don't have to try to write it down and spell it out and that sort of thing. So they'll be able to click on a link. We'll talk more about that GitHub repo in a second, but I want to talk a little bit more about how you got started with Kubernetes. Take us back to that first day where you started playing with it. Like, what got you interested, and what were some of the challenges you faced? <laughs> so first, uh, before playing with Kubernetes, I played with Docker, right? So uh, at NetApp, we sometimes do some hands-on labs with customers, partners, or even uh, colleagues. And uh, I, I don't know, like four or five years ago, we, we used to give uh, labs about Docker and how to use what you used to be called NetApp Docker volume plugin. We had like funny meetings with funny labs and even an insight. If you remember, we already were using GitHub to share the lab information and documentation and comments and so on. And pretty soon, Kubernetes went into the game. I started learning about Kubernetes and I started from scratch. So I knew nothing about it aside from the basic definition of it. And so I started playing with Kubernetes on my own. And well, you have to imagine, I hit many walls <laughs> because, well, Four years ago, five years ago, and still today, Kubernetes is complex. So I guess for me, the best way to learn about Kubernetes is to try and try and try again, break and try and try and break again and retry. <laughs> and that's how I got hooked up with Kubernetes. The challenges I faced is because, yeah, well, I learned by myself. And again, complexity made it, well, difficult to, to learn. It's not like learning just uh, about how to create an NFS share and using snapshot and snap or uh, 
that takes me back 15 years ago. There are so many moving pieces in Kubernetes, uh, storage being one of them, that you have to be, to be pretty involved in uh, what you want to achieve in order to really understand Kubernetes. And it's moving so quickly also that, well, you learn every day. And that's what is fun, because uh, for me, Kubernetes is also a lot of fun, I would say. It's good. It's good that you have fun with it because it is challenging. Um, it, it's an open source technology, so that's that kind of lends to that whole things are moving very rapidly all the time. Um, the other challenge here is with the other moving parts that are external to Kubernetes, things like NetApp Storage. You have to ha- kind of have like a, a wedge to to drive in there to kind of bridge the gap for those things. So you have things like the CSI drivers and that sort of thing that have to be customized for the specific storage p- providers. Or, you know, if you have other things that are trying to plug into the Kubernetes cluster, you have to kind of consider that as well. And that, that can be a, a challenge in and of itself as well, right? Oh, yeah, d- definitely. And if you go back in history, four years ago, CSI did not exist. Triton did exist. Triton was actually uh, born almost six years ago and was the very first of its kind, being a dynamic provisioner for storage for Kubernetes. And also, if you remember, Storage was the number one challenge uh, in Kubernetes for three years in a row. It was basically the black sheep of Kubernetes storage. It was, I don't want that. That's one of the reasons why NetApp actually invested in, in creating Trident and made it open source and supported by NetApp. Trident was really the glue that made storage consumption uh, transparent and easy for Kubernetes users. And that's why I like to call it Trident uh, the GOAT. <laughs> the greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it yeah, I mean, actually, especially for, for NetApp storage, right? Because, I mean, it is kind of pigeonholed with NetApp storage. You really can't use Trident to provision other storage systems, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, for, but if you're using NetApp and Kubernetes, you definitely should be looking at Trident as a serious option there. Yep, definitely. That said, there are new CSI drivers being developed. You can do NFS storage without Trident. It just gets a little more complicated. It's not as integrated. And with that integration with Trident... We can do other things like kick off snapshots or snap mirrors or backups and that sort of thing. So, Eve, tell me a little bit about the NetApp solutions that can kind of handle that sort of thing. Trident is taking care of uh, volumes and a bunch of stuff around it. Like you, you mentioned snapshots, yes. Trident can integrate CSI snapshots, so Kubernetes snapshot with, with NetApp uh, and systems. However, if you want to have a broader view, if you want to protect your application and not only the storage, by application, I mean every single little Kubernetes resource that compose your application. Here you can look into Astra Control because Astra Control is really the tool you need to protect everything, your, your application. You can snapshot, you can backup, you can restore, you can clone, and you can integrate it with SnapMirror in the latest uh, issue of, uh, of Astra Control. And that is really a key differentiator, at least to me, because uh, w- when I see that you can mirror your uh, application from, I don't know, a, a data center, an on-prem Kubernetes cluster, mirror it to uh, to Google or Azure or Amazon using just Stampier to Cloud Volume on tap. I think that's really uh, amazing because with one click, you can just fire up the disaster recovery environment in the cloud or vice versa, actually. You're talking about Azure Control and that can handle both on-prem and cloud storage. So when we're talking about Kubernetes in general, there's generally is really just two main ways of doing it. There's the roll your own, which is standing up a cluster all, all by yourself and doing the on-prem releases and that sort of thing, or using something like a Kubernetes engine, like a Rancher or a GKE or an AKS. 
what have you found most people are doing these days? Like I, I know that the early days they were probably rolling their own a lot. Are they moving more towards those engines or are they still trying to stand up their own clusters because they think it's more cost effective? I think there is also a geographical parameter to take into account here. But amongst the customers I talk to and I see, I would say that for quite a long period of time, I would see uh, vanilla Kubernetes, so uh, the standard default open source Kubernetes on the market, and a lot of OpenShift also. That was really the two orchestrators I, I will see the most. However, recently, I have seen a good increase of Tanzu footprint also. That's mostly for data center. For cloud environments, I would say that I believe that Amazon or yeah, AWS and EKS is, uh, is still the, the, the most widely used out there. I don't have the latest numbers, but I guess for, for, uh, it, it all depends to, uh, to the customers you talk to. Mine uh, mostly uh, work uh, on-premises and are starting to think about a multi-hybrid environment also. So starting from data center and moving to the cloud or clouds in plural. And that'll introduce all new sorts of challenges, right? Like migrating data and getting that stuff into the cloud, but doing it cost effectively. And that's going to be hard to accomplish. Now, I know NetApp has some solutions for cloud that help control those costs. Have you dealt with any of those in your experience? Well, to control cost, well, there are many, many ways to translate cost control. I guess using SnapPR to move data is also a way to efficiently control cost somehow. Maybe not directly, but somehow yes. Uh, however, uh, if you are talking about controlling cost at the at the resource levels or at the compute or at the uh, at the memory, Spot is also the set of tools to look into. It's hard to uh, actually know what you need. The thing with hyperscalers or the cloud in general is that uh, it's easy to use. You just click on a button and you get something, and you don't necessarily have to pay attention. Even you 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 should pay attention to what you pay for at the end of the the day or end of the month, you may get bills that are way ahead of what you thought you would have. And that's where Spot could help because Spot will really help you optimize how you consume resources in the cloud for Kubernetes and for other stuff, but for Kubernetes specifically. So with Kubernetes, you mentioned there's a lot of moving parts. And when you have a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of opportunity to break things, <laughs> whether oh, by yeah. typing something in wrong or forgetting a step in your configuration. There are automation suites out there to help with that. What are you finding most people are using to manage their Kubernetes clusters via automation? Oh, oh that, that's a tough one. <laughs> I have to say, I have not seen two customers doing the same things or <laughs> using the same tools. So, so are most people you know, creating their own things or are they you know, using a suite like Ansible or Puppet or Chef or is it just like a hodgepodge? When OpenShift is in place, the easiest shortcut is to use Ansible for the good reason that it's the same house, <laughs> right? So yeah, when it comes to automation around OpenShift, uh, Ansible is the natural tool to go with. But that's still a lot data center oriented. When we look into cloud stuff, it's more about Terraform. Both are not antinomic. You can use Terraform and Ansible uh, or vice versa. But I would say that both tools are still the ones you see the most today. So Terraform and Ansible you're, you're seeing the most? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some people like to do everything by hand or script or API also, but these are the, the hardcore ones. <laughs> it's funny because like, you know, this is an industry that is built on standards, but yet no one wants to standardize. <laughs> Everyone wants to be their own special flower, right? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, what is quite difficult, especially when you start, you are day one as you want to open a new Kubernetes service in your company. You're alone. You know, you don't know where to start. You look at the CNCF landscape. And then you fall from the chair because it's so wide. There are so many tools that you don't know where to start. That's where it's good to either get help from experienced people or partners or even us to orient customers on the right choice or the for what tools are needed or used for what use case. Using the right tool for the right th for the right thing is difficult, especially with the Kubernetes. Yeah, I'm doing a video series on similar challenges there, right? Trying to kind of unpack all the challenges as I learn Kubernetes myself. And it, it really is a wide array of things out there. And it's funny because you'll go to a page and you're like, oh, this looks really good. And then you start digging into it and you realize it hasn't been updated since like 2018. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh, I can't use this anymore because it's way too old. But maybe you've gotten too deep and you've already started using it. Yeah. So that that's, that's a challenge into itself. That said, there are pages out there that get updated pretty frequently and one of those is your github repository so let's talk about that like tell me about that how that started and what sort of things you have there it started four years ago i checked the date earlier today <laughs> following the hands-on labs we were doing at the time since i was at the same time learning about kubernetes i thought it would be a good idea for me to write down what as what i was actually learning and using and I thought that Kubernetes is a, well, it's all about community, right? So why not sh actually share what I'm doing while I'm learning? That's where I started um, creating this GitHub repository with everything I was doing. I would say that in NetApp, we have something called the Lab on Demand, which is also available for customers in, under the name of Hands-On Labs. For NetApp, is lod.netapp.com. For customers, is hol, I believe, .netapp.com. With this lab, you can really test uh, Trident and everything it can offer. You already have a guide provided with this lab, but I would say that if you take a quick look at my GitHub repository, you will go further, not only with things about Trident, but also tools you can integrate with it and how to control stuff and how to run performance benchmark and how to, I don't know, uh, how, how to differentiate uh, different protocols and when to use them and for what and, and so on. So up to today, I've got about 21 different scenarios to test everything about Trident, basically really everything. I keep it up to date. I I frequently bring new stuff or when the lab on demand changes or when there is a new version of Trident, I also put it there. It's a good place to learn stuff about Trident. And also NetApp. I mean, you got some NetApp specific stuff in here, things that you wouldn't yes. necessarily think about if you're a, a Kubernetes admin. True. Yeah. There is stuff to learn for Kubernetes users and NetApp admins and vice versa. Historically, Kubernetes users didn't know about storage and maybe didn't care about storage and vice versa also today. Kubernetes admins sometimes are afraid of Kubernetes because they don't really understand it. They want to control everything and they don't want to share. So, uh, and th there is no real reason to be afraid. Uh, you just need to be advised, I would say. And so here on this repository, you will find different information on how to, well, control storage consumption for one thing at least, and many other topics. Yeah, and it looks like you've got things where you basically set things up from scratch, set up a Kubernetes cluster from scratch, install Trident, adding nodes to clusters. So lots of good tutorials there for people who maybe are just getting started with Kubernetes. 
And also, it's not just uh, throwing commands in there. I'm just I'm really describing everything uh, and writing everything down. So you can really read this GitHub repository like, like a book, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, I wish I had found this when I was first starting out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many how much time I spent just trying to install Kubernetes from different blogs and stuff, right? So, I mean, again, that comes back to that challenge of being open source and the information not always being readily available, repositories being old and stale. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I ran into a lot of problems. Sometimes it was because the information wasn't there, sometimes because I didn't read correctly but yeah i mean it, it really can be a headache and i think that that's really why a lot of people are starting to look more seriously at the engines that do this for them because you're less mistake prone at that point true yeah if you use the tool to help you deploy kubernetes it's true that you remove a lot of headaches and late nights but i would say that if you have an issue somewhere and you have to troubleshoot, you have to know what's under the hood unless you deploy the right tooling to help you uh, troubleshoot. But sometimes some people like to know how things work. And I guess I am one of these. Only looking at how the, the different certificates uh, work with Kubernetes, that's already quite a headache. <laughs> yeah, the certificate piece is pretty complicated at times. I, for me, I, I wanted to start, stand it up from scratch because of that. I wanted to learn from scratch. I wanted to learn where things might break, you know, what new things I might run into that other people haven't run into. And then I document them as well. I'm like, oh, hey, there's this problem. Like, so, I, so for example, I noticed in yours, you're talking about adding a node and you do the, the, the cube control join or whatever. And I did that same thing. But um, what I did was I stood my cluster up. I just kind of left it alone for like a couple of days and came back to it and tried to add the node. And I tried to run that same command it gives you when you first do that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this. But those certificates expire after 24 hours. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what's going on? So you have to actually regenerate that certificate, right? So little things like that that don't show up because I, I don't use it the same way everyone else uses it. And everyone mm-hmm. doesn't use it the same way. Everyone does it differently. Some people have, you know, get distracted and go do other things, right? So there yeah. are different you know, use cases. There are different corner cases that come up that I like to have documented as well. That's exactly why I created this GitHub just for myself, but for others also. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Everybody learns from each other. So, you know, if you, if you had two things when you first started Kubernetes deployments and learning, if you could go back in time and say, Eve, these are the two things you need to remember before you start doing this. What were those two things? The first one is write everything down. Everything. If, it, if it's wrong, if it's right, write it down. Because sooner or later, you're going to need this very specific point to write down and you don't remember where because you've seen the, some error already. So yeah, it's note everything down. <laughs> that's the first step. And remember where you write it down also. <laughs> that's the that's second, <laughs> second advice. <laughs> step one, write it down. Step two, remember where you wrote it down. Yeah. <laughs> It's good advice. I, I agree with those two things. Um, I'd, I'd add one: read. Like, don't don't skip over things, right? Like, read before you do stuff. Or if you if you like it breaking first, so you can figure out why it broke, then just do it and then read. But yeah. ultimately, it's going to always come back to you missed something somewhere. You didn't read. So, like for for me, it was the I was using a blog based on a specific version of, of Ubuntu. <laughs> I was trying to use the newest version of Ubuntu. You'd think that would work. It hey, did nope. not. It did not work. <laughs> and I was pounding away at it. I'm like, you know what? Let me go back and try this other version of Ubuntu. Oh, it worked. And then you just... Because yeah. like my, my, my nodes, they would just keep 
restarting like the the services which is keep restart the containers the pods like restart 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 like hundreds of restarts i'm like what's going on here all it was was yeah. a different a bunch I, of I, I know how it feels so yeah, so third note, read the blogs or the documentation that is linked to the version of Kubernetes and OS you're using. <laughs> yes. Don't try to get queued unless you want to, unless you think you could fix it. Um, it, it. These are written for these specific versions for specific reasons. They don't yeah. usually tell you the reasons, but they like, hey, I did this on these versions, use these. And, and definitely do that unless they're like ancient versions that you can't use anymore. Yeah. That's also why I like the lab on demand because it's all virtual. If I break something, it's mine. I can just close it and restart a new one. If I was using a Kubernetes cluster that was shared amongst colleagues in, or teams, I would be much more precautious, I would say, and pay attention to what I do. Every single command, I would be scared of breaking something. And like I said earlier, there is no better way to learn about Kubernetes <laughs> by, by breaking stuff and rebuilding. Yeah, I agree. So we opened the podcast with you in French, and that was funny but it was also because you guys have your own podcast that you do right so tell me a little bit about that how that started and what you guys do with that it's called le podcast netapp that's pretty easy uh, it's even I easy for me yeah <laughs> it started like a, a discussion around the table at, at the office and we were like yeah why, why not start something uh, it was like, i think late 2020 the three of us started discussing and exchanging what we could showcase and talk about in our podcast. We have usually a monthly issue. Obviously, during the summers, it's a little bit different. But aside from summer, it's a monthly cadence. We often have uh, people we invite, so colleagues, partners, to talk about different topics. Uh, it can be Astra, it can be data protection, cloud, and anything, actually. So, yeah, and it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, I see you guys are having a lot of fun out there. You're actually taking it out to the countryside and like going on the road. You're not stuck yes. in a dank old basement like I am. That's pretty good. I like that. And you do you a video as well, right? It's like it's, it's not just an audio version. Yeah, it's true that we, we did uh, an introduction of the podcast uh, <laughs> in the first winter in the countryside and with the dog and that, that was fun also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys have a lot of fun with that. And that's great to see. And, you know, it's funny because I'll, I'll see podcasts come around with NetApp and I look at them I'm like, okay, let's see how long these guys last. Because <laughs> like it's, 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 it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to keep up with. You have to keep the topics going. Um, you have to get the guests involved. And, you know, it can be a challenge. And I think a monthly cadence is perfect because that doesn't make you have too much pressure. It's like allows you to kind of collect yourselves and, and get it together. Yeah, we have had almost 25 sessions already. So we try to continue the topic. We'll include a link to that as well in the uh, in the blog here. So um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to cover, Eve. Well, check out my GitHub. I would say I will have new scenarios pretty soon. Uh, probably more oriented about Astra Control Center because we also have a lab on demand for that. If you would like to see specific demos of Trident or Astra Control that uh, could fit into this repository, don't hesitate to come back to me, and I will work on it. And if we wanted to, to contact you again, what's the best way to do that? The easiest way is probably by sending me an email <laughs> on eve.vicer.net.com or you, you can find me on LinkedIn, GitHub, uh, Twitter even. There are many ways to find me. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Email still you know, kind of continues to be the standard de facto way to reach people because people are always checking their email. They're not always checking their social media, their LinkedIn, their GitHub, whatever, right? 
So for for quicker response, it's always best to do email. Eve, uh, again, thank you for joining us and talking to us about your GitHub repo and all your Kubernetes work. Um, Keep it up, man. Really good work. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like to share today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Eve Weiser for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.